his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. A video was released by the Hamas terrorist organization, which shows three Israeli hostages captured by Hamas. Uh, On the video, they are bashing um, Prime Minister Netanyahu's leadership. Of course, I imagine this was all said under duress. Uh, Netanyahu is calling it Hamas propaganda. It is just the very latest in this terrible war in Israel and this war of propaganda and misinformation. Joining us now on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline is once again Ephraim Cohen. Ephraim, a frequent guest of the show, a former U.S. diplomat for nearly 25 years. He was also former assistant U.S. special envoy to combat anti-Semitism in the last administration. Um, He's had numerous overseas assignments, including Baghdad after the Gulf War and Israel during Operation Iraqi Freedom and the Second Lebanon War. He is joining us from Israel right now. Ephraim, welcome back to the show. Hi, Jordana. Thanks very much for having me. I wish it were under uh, different circumstances, but I appreciate giving me the opportunity to actually explain what's going on on the ground here. And and before we get to uh, just to some politics, how are you? Where are you? And how are you and your wife? What's your day to day like? Uh, I'm I'm doing OK physically uh, because I'm in one of the few areas in the whole country that has not been directly targeted by missiles. But emotionally, it's very difficult for every single person in the country. We all know somebody who is either fighting or has died or has been captured and taken hostage. Um And so we support each other and we all do as much as we can to support the troops and to support the many people who have been evacuated from the areas that are now under rocket attack. Uh, And we never know. Uh, You know, you wake up in the morning and you say, "Okay, I've made it through one more night. I wonder when we'll be hit by rockets. So uh, emotionally, it's very difficult. Ephraim, can you give us a sense for somebody, obviously myself, I've never been uh, to Israel, but uh, if you were in Tel Aviv or if you were in Jerusalem, uh, how, how, how closely uh, concerned are you about uh, the violence near Gaza? Well, actually, I'm toward the north of the country. Uh, if I were in Tel Aviv or Jerusalem, I would definitely be worried. Both of those cities come, on, come under, uh, very, uh, under attack quite often. Uh, but the rockets from Gaza can't quite reach me, and Hezbollah up in the north, they have not yet decided to get into the fight completely. And so most of what they're doing has been limited to short-range rockets 
and and anti-tank weapons, that type of thing. And those weapons don't quite reach me, although I'm relatively north of Tel Aviv. Um, so right now, I haven't been I haven't been attacked by either one, but I can be reached certainly by Hezbollah if they decide to use their longer range, uh, more accurate missiles. Mm-hmm. And I think people also don't understand that the attack of from rockets from the Hamas side from Gaza has been nonstop also to Israel. I mean, you don't see the civilian casualties because Israel has Iron Dome that shoots down the rockets. But that has been nonstop. So um, I just want people to, uh, that, to fully understand that. Is that accurate, Ephraim? That's absolutely right. They're, they're firing almost nonstop. Uh, you listen to the radio and all of a sudden somebody will break in and say, for those people in this particular area, get to your shelters because they're coming at you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're nonstop, uh, and they're fired intentionally at civilian locations. They're not fired just at the military. They want to hit they want to hit civilian houses. They want to kill civilians just as they did on October seventh, and they will celebrate if they hit somebody and kill them. Um, and and you never know when it's going to happen. Tell us about the support or or um, on the ground? Are the people of Israel feeling supported from the U.S. here in the U.S.? And I hate to make it sound selfish, but people listening to me right now are thinking, you know, what does this war have to do with me, maybe? And um, we know that President Biden has pledged support to have, to have Israel's back and to give them what they need. Um, are the Israelis, what do they think about the U.S. response? There's no doubt that we appreciate very much the support that we have gotten so far. Uh, President Biden has said the right things, and bringing the aircraft carriers into the Med, uh, that looks like they're going to support us if need be. But we don't know yet exactly what's going to happen, you know, when push comes to shove. Um, So right now, uh, he has said the right things, and we certainly appreciate that. We also appreciate very much the political support that we've gotten from him Uh, in terms of his support on the world stage. The problem is that there are some things that we think he should be doing and he hasn't done. So far, he has really not said as much as he should about the Iranian involvement in what's going on. Without Iran, Hamas and Hezbollah simply do not exist. It's clear that whether, and remember, right after the attack, the White House was at great pains to say, well, we have no proof that Iran was directly involved in this particular attack. But that's playing with words. The fact is that Hezbollah and Hamas are really uh, controlled by, supported by, trained by, financed by, armed by Iran. They wouldn't be where they are today without Iran. And certainly Iran is not unhappy with what has happened in the last few weeks. Their goal, I think Iran's goal, is to, uh, to make the, the Middle East more unstable And certainly remember that just before the attacks, there was talk about some sort of peace agreement between Israel and Saudi Arabia. And Iran certainly doesn't want that to happen. So this particular attack, whether or not they ordered it, they're certainly not unhappy about it. And they're certainly supporting Hamas as much as possible. Uh, So what I say is, let me just say say this. The, The United States has to be much more strongly in, in, against Iran in terms of recognizing that they are at the root of the, of the problem. They have to, I personally, I would love to see them immediately reimpose uh, oil sanctions against Iran because it's the money from those oil sales that is funding all this uh, terrorism. 
And they also have to say to Iran, if, our, if American citizens are harmed, you can't hide behind Hamas. You're responsible for it. And if Hezbollah goes into the war, you can't hide behind Hezbollah. You're responsible for that as well. And you will pay a direct, personal, severe price if that happens. That's the only, because if Iran do, isn't held responsible for this, then any uh, victory against Hamas, I'm afraid, will only be temporary. They can rebuild Hamas or they continue, continue to rebuild to build uh, Hezbollah. They are the cancer in, the, in this part of the world. And if we don't convince them to change their ways, then we're in for a long, hard, pro- long, hard problem for many months, many years to come. And so, Jordana, you said people wonder, what does the U.S. have to do with this fight? Remember that Hamas and Iran call Israel the little uh, Satan, but the U.S. is the big Satan. So whatever they're doing now, it can be moved to the United States very easily, especially with the relatively porous borders. I have no doubt that there are people crossing that border who at some point are going to say, "Okay, we did okay against Israel. Now let's see what we can do against the U.S. Well, I hope that isn't, uh, I hope you're wrong there. I hope that isn't the case. So we're talking to Ephraim Cohen, former U.S. diplomat, uh, former U.S. Uh, special envoy to combat anti-Semitism. I wanted to get your reaction to a piece in the New York Times today uh, about uh, Israel and their intelligence uh, leading up to October 7th and the failure of that intelligence and how uh, could uh, Israel, uh, Israeli you know, intelligence uh, failed here in, in detecting the threat of Hamas leading up to uh, 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 the October 7th? Yes, let me just say one quick thing. I hope I'm wrong. I, I certainly hope I'm wrong about the possibility of terrorism in the United States. But Israel views itself as the tip of the spear mm-hmm. protecting the rest of the world. And if Israel fails, it becomes that much more dangerous for the rest of the world. So that's why Israel has to win this war. Now, you asked me about the failure of intelligence. You know, uh, for to some degree, we were lulled into complacency because we were under the impression that, that uh, Hamas did not want to start a war anytime soon. Uh, it had been relatively quiet. And so people, maybe they took their eye off the ball. There's no question that that people feel that it was an intelligence failure. But I think this is not the time to be casting aspersions. Right now, the most important thing is to win the war. There will be plenty of time after the war to find out what went wrong so that uh, it doesn't happen again. Remember, the same thing happened during the uh, during the, the Yom Kippur War in 1973. Uh, Israeli intelligence missed that one as well. And, and the country was really shocked. And as a result, after the war, there was a special commission that evaluated exactly why, there w- why uh, the intelligence went wrong. And as a result, um, uh, Prime Minister Golda Meir, although she was not personally implicated in the failure, she felt it necessary to resign because she was mm-hmm. on duty. Yeah. It, was her, it was her people who missed it. Uh, so Ephraim, that, can I, I ask... I may, I, Sure. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I, just, I just want you to hold on because we need to take a commercial break. But I, I want to ask you about what's going on 
in Gaza. We are learning this morning that Gazans have uh, broken into a storehouse to get themselves mm-hmm. food. Uh, I'm glad there was a storehouse of food for them in Gaza. But we want to know what you are hearing about the humanitarian crisis and, of course, the latest on the hostages. So, Ephraim, if you can, uh, please stay with sure. us through the commercial break. And we'll be back with Ephraim Cohen in just a moment. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Ready to level up your financial game? Let NerdWallet guide you with smart strategies for lasting success. Get savvy tax planning pointers to maximize your savings, money-saving travel tips for your next family getaway, and investing insights like how a 529 plan can help you send your kids to college. Unlock the key to saving to help you earn more money. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you in 2024. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Continuing our conversation with Ephraim Cohen. Ephraim is a former U.S. diplomat and former assistant U.S. special envoy to combat anti-Semitism. Um, he's had assignments in Baghdad during the Gulf War and Israel during Operation Iraqi Freedom and the Second Lebanon War. He is joining us on the phone from Israel. So, Ephraim, thanks for hanging through the break with us. That's right. My pleasure. I'm glad to stay with you. Yeah, I want to talk about the current situation in Gaza. Uh, as you know, there have been multiple protests all over uh, the world um, on my kids' college campuses, on many college campuses um, that want a ceasefire. What would happen if there was a ceasefire? And is that even a legitimate cry at this point? Uh, I don't see it as being legitimate at all. Remember that there was a ceasefire on October 6th. Uh, that the United uh, that Israel was not firing into Gaza, and we thought that Gaza was not firing into us until October seventh. Every single ceasefire that Israel has en- entered into with uh, Hamas over the last several years has been broken by Hamas. As far as as far as I'm concerned, uh, the only thing that would happen with a ceasefire would be that Hamas would uh, rearm itself. Uh, and then get ready for its next incursion into Israel. So to call for a ceasefire, in fact, one of the Hamas spokespeople said just yesterday, we have accomplished what we set out to do, now we would like a ceasefire. Well, that's great. That's not the way wars are fought. Uh, you started it, now we're going to finish it. Uh, as far as what's going on in, in uh, Gaza right now, there's no question that things are very difficult for the civilians there. Uh, but First, let me warn you against believing the numbers of casualties that are put out by the quote-unquote Hamas or uh, Gaza health officials. These health officials are really nothing more than spokespeople for Hamas. So when they put out numbers uh, without any provable uh, evidence, I warn you to be very uh, quest- to question those numbers very much. 
Uh, let me give you an example. Remember that it was those same Gaza health officials who said that Israel had bombed a hospital and killed 500 people. It turned out later on that it had been a rocket that had misfired from uh, Palestinian uh, Islamic Jihad in Gaza. It had fallen in, into a parking lot near the hospital, and while it had killed a few dozen people. Now, a few dozen pe- I'm not happy about a few dozen people being killed. Don't get me wrong. But there's a difference between a few dozen people in a, in a parking lot as opposed to 500 people in a hospital. So I war- Now, having said that, Israel is the only country in the world that I know of that warns civilians to get out of the way because they're about to, uh, to attack someplace. They, there is a difference between Hamas that uh, attacks and intentionally kills and tortures and rapes uh, civilians as opposed to Israel that does everything possible to avoid civilian casualties. Having said that, there has never been a war when civilians were not, uh, were not killed. We try to keep it to a minimum, but, some, but it's going to happen. Israel tries to get them out of the way, but sometimes they can't leave. And why can't they leave? Because Hamas is using them as human shields. Uh, there is a tape of, uh, of a Gazan, in, uh, of a Gazan uh, who was called on the phone by the Israeli army. The Israeli army told that person to get out of the way because we're coming in. And he said, I can't get out because Hamas has closed all the roads and they are firing on any people who want to escape. It is Hamas that uses its own people as human shields for two reasons. Number one, because they hope, because they think that Israel will not attack if there are human, if there are civilians around, and that shows them that they respect Israel more than they respect their own people. Um, but the second thing is, if the human shields are killed, then that's a win for Hamas as well, because then they can go on news media and say, look at how terrible the Israelis are. They're targeting civilians. Well, we're not targeting civilians, but the civilians are being kept by Hamas in order to be used as, as human shields. Um, I'm afraid that there's just no way to avoid casualties as much as we would like to. But the other option is to stop our fight. And if we stop fighting now, we're simply guaranteeing that Hamas will attack us even more strongly sometime in the future. Now, you asked me about hostages. Unfortunately, the main goal we know from documents that we captured the main goal of the incursion was to take hostages. Why? Because they knew that Israel was going to come back in and try to fight against them in Gaza, and they were going to use the hostages also as human shields. And they're going to try to parcel them out bit by bit, a couple here, a couple there, and they're going to try to drag it out as long as possible. But in the process of dragging it out, Hamas will then be able to set up booby traps and set up its own lethal defenses against any Israelis that come in to try to, to free the hostages. So as much as we want the hostages to be freed, the longer we wait, the more Israeli soldiers are going to die, and there's no guarantee that the hostages will be released alive anyway. So we want them to be released. We pray for their release. We will do everything possible for, their to be, for them to be released. But to suggest that Israel should have a, a long-term ceasefire or not go into Gaza to protect this, the hostages in the long run is going to guarantee that more people die. Because once the hostages are no longer useful for, the, for Hamas, they will kill the hostages 
just as they killed the other civilians when they uh, when they uh, invaded Israel. Frame, you, you, I hate to say, I hate to say that. I hope I'm wrong, you, but I am afraid it's, that's what's going to happen. When speaking of the ceasefire, you said you know they decided to start this. Israel will decide uh, to finish it. What is what does the end look like? I, clearly, the destruction of Hamas is a, is a, is a goal yeah. here. Is it, but what is the how, how does this end? I guess that's my question, and I know that's yeah. obviously a very open-ended and a question many people want to hear. Yes, there's no doubt that we want to decimate Hamas as a fighting force. I don't think there's any way that we can kill every single Hamas, member of Hamas. Uh, that's too much to ask. That's too much to hope for. But we have to decimate them enough so that they no longer have the ability to fight the way they have for the last several years. Instantly, I want to bring up the question of proportionality. People say uh, you're killing more Palestinians than Jews or than Israelis who were killed. Oh, by the way, I said Jews, but it wasn't just Jews. It was 40 different nationalities were somehow affected by, uh, by what happened uh, in Israel on October 7th. So, but they will say, well, you killed more Palestinians than were killed in Israel during the attack. So that's not proportional. Well, that's not at all the meaning of proportionality. The meaning of proportionality, according to the rules of war, is you, some, we know some civilians are going to be killed, but you shouldn't kill more than is reasonable in light of your attacking uh, a uh, military target. So, for example, I can't use an atomic weapon to take out a person who's, who's firing a, a, uh, a uh, rifle at me. On the other hand, under the rules of war, I might be able to kill a few more civilians if I'm taking out a rocket launcher that's ready to fire several rockets at my civilians. That's what the meaning of proportionality is. Oh, and by the way, I want to mention to you also that it was discovered just recently that the main Hamas uh, control center is located under a hospital. Now, I'm not suggesting at all that we attack a hospital, but it's another example of how Hamas has no concern for civilians. They're going to use them as much as possible to protect themselves. Getting back to what the end result is going to be, um, it's going to be a long, hard slog. It's going to take weeks, perhaps months. Uh, there are going to be many casualties. Many Israeli soldiers are going to die. But we all believe that that's the only way that we can protect ourselves from being attacked again in the future. After it's over, then we have to do everything possible to make sure that the civilians uh, who are left uh, are taken care of and, and uh, do not suffer any more than absolutely necessary. Uh, there's, a, there's a whole list of things that have to be done in terms of recognizing what has to be rebuilt and making sure that, that uh, necessary items like food and medicine are available for the civilians. But that's after we've taken care of, of Hamas. Oh, one other thing I want to mention to you. The, uh, the uh, civilian crisis that's going on, people are talking about lack of food and lack of medicine. Remember that Hamas has all the medicine and food that they need. They've, they have put together stores of those things so that they can stay underground for many weeks, if not months, to, go, to continue. What that shows is they've already grabbed a lot of the supplies that should have been going for civilians to protect themselves. And, and in fact, UNRWA... Uh, announced recently that uh, that some of the supplies that went in uh, to U.N. facilities were stolen by uh, by Hamas. 
That was in a tweet which was then taken down. But that's what they what the U.N. originally announced, that what goes in is sometimes taken by Hamas. So I feel terrible. I don't want civilians to die. But I think the best thing for civilians, both on our side and on the on the Gazan side, is to get rid of Hamas as quickly as possible. Ephraim Cohen, we so appreciate your expertise and your bravery in talking to us about this. We will call on you again, sir, but please stay safe. Thanks very much. One final thing. The next time, when if I get a chance, I'd like to talk about the unfortunate increase in anti-Semitism in the United States and around the world. Absolutely. I've spoken extensively about that. But yes, I would absolutely love your take on that. And when you come back in a few days, we will address it. Thank you. Ephraim Cohen, uh, former U.S. diplomat. You got it. Thank you, Ephraim. I I pray for everybody. I pray for Ephraim, Uh, everybody that we've spoken to on this on this uh, show. I pray for all of Israel. I pray for innocent Gazans. I pray for everybody every day. It's just such a a terrible, terrible situation as war always is. But um, grateful to talk with him and uh, Just feel like it's enlightening to hear from what's happening on the ground, Adam. Absolutely. Uh, 1133, we'll take a break. Traffic and weather coming up next. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Nerds! Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Sometimes you need a change of pace. That includes your finances. Get smart with your budgeting with financial tips straight from the nerds. NerdWallet's trusted experts will set future you up for success by untangling today's web of financial misinformation. Learn about smart investing strategies, tax planning pointers, and travel tips to save on a fun family getaway. Maybe somewhere tropical? Spring ahead for smarter decisions in 2024. Follow NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.